just the leader in all the family and grateful for him. I'm glad that I'm a member of a church and knows how to honor the man of God. And uh, I hear there's a man of God in this city. From Brother Barnes preaching last week in the message. And I'm grateful for the church and all that did for Pastor Mr. Olita. Let's continue to pray for them and pray that God will continue to have his hand upon them. Uh, we travel a lot across the United States and occasionally out of the country. And I just want to say this warning. I don't know if you've never been to another church, maybe was saved in this church and joined and have never been out. That's a good thing. But if you've never been out and about, you don't know what you've got here with our church, with our pastor, uh, for the tremendous singing and the choir. And I'm grateful. We go into a lot of churches that are doctrinally sound. They're separated. They're set apart. Uh, they have everything right on the Bible. And everything is right with their standards. But they're about as dead as you can get. And I'm grateful that I'm a member of a church that is not only doctrinally sound, separated. The music's right. The Bible's right. The separation's right. But I'm glad it's alive and it's a living organism. And I thank God for those that are here today. If you have your Bible today, let's stand, please, and reverence the reading of the Bible. We'll go to the book of Proverbs in chapter number 29. Proverbs in chapter number 29 will bring the message from this passage of Scripture. I'll be honest with you, I kind of argued with the Lord a little bit about the message this morning, but I cannot get this subject matter off my heart. And I found a long time ago it's always better to be obedient to the Lord and to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, you are our special guest of Bible Baptist Church. And maybe you're here today and your heart's cold and distant and indifferent to the things of God. And it is our prayer that today you'll rededicate your life to Him and that you'll be fully surrendered to the will of God. I've told this before, but while I see one or two just finishing up turning the pages of their Bible, I remember many years ago, uh, sitting in church, and I'll be honest with you, I was reading my Bible every day, I was praying every day, I was faithful to attend church every time the church doors were open, but to be honest with you, Sam, my heart just wasn't where it needed to be with the Lord. There was a coldness, there was a callousness, there was a distance between me and God. During the invitation, the pastor asked, if you're here today and you're not where you ought to be with God, raise your hand. And I was sitting in the back of the auditorium and I raised my hand and I must have been the only one to raise a hand because the pastor said, God bless you. I see your hand back there, Brother Ellis. We'll be praying for you today. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, well, I guess I don't have a choice but to go forward now. God not only knows about it, the preacher not only knows about it, the whole world knows about it now. And I'll be honest with you, I really wasn't under much conviction. In fact, I wasn't under any conviction other than embarrassment and humiliation. But I slipped out of the pew and started down the aisle. And before I got to the altar, God had broken my heart and I had to give myself completely to him. Maybe that's you here today. Maybe you're a faithful church member, a faithful prayer and a faithful Bible reader, but you just have a cold heart and it's not where it needs to be with the Lord. It's our prayer that today you'll rededicate yourself completely to him. Now everyone has your Bible. We'll go to the book of Proverbs in chapter number 29 and verse number 1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his heart shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Our fathers, we bow before you today. We sure are grateful for the working and moving and the prodding of the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you for the wonderful choir singing this morning and for the wonderful Sunday school hour and the message that was brought and the things that were taught from the book of Job. I thank you for our church and for those that may be here this morning that are first time visitors or guests. I pray that 
They would receive something from the message and from the singing in the choir and all the services. I would ask you that you'll have your hand upon this morning. And Father, may we honor you and glorify you. God, may we lift up the name of Christ and the cause of Christ. I'd ask you that you'll be with our pastor today, Mr. Lena and all the family. May you continue to give them your blessings. And Lord, as I'm often reminded that you really, when you're called into the ministry, you're never really able to get away from the ministry. May you help them to be able to be able to relax and enjoy and have some quality time. Then it may come back refreshed, refired. And I would ask you, Lord, that your good hand would be upon them, giving them safety. Now bless your church today. Bless all your people, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Notice in our text today, as we have read, he that being often reproved, and I want you to notice that phrase in our text, often reproved. Notice the Bible says, secondly, that they hardeneth their neck. And then last, he closes by saying that they will be destroyed without remedy. The word often literally means frequent or many times. And according to this text, it is a time where God is dealing and working in the hearts and the lives of individuals. And there comes a time when basically they have crossed God's deadline. And God says as a result of them being often reproved, often rebuked, in other words, for their sin and transgression, for their lifestyle and for their uh, heart that is astray from God. The Bible said that there will come a time when they will cross over a certain threshold and as a result of that, God said their destruction shall come suddenly. And the Bible says without remedy. And literally in this passage of scripture is saying that when that person that has been often reproved, only God knows the last time when he will give or issue a reproof or a rebuke in an individual's life. But God says there is a deadline, there is a threshold. And once that threshold has been passed and crossed over, that God shall destroy that individual suddenly, immediately, in the blink of an eye, in other words, and the Bible said it will be without remedy. In other words, there will be no turning back the anger or the wrath of God. We live in an age which is full of people that honestly has great disdain and disregard for the things of God. God tries often to reprove them, to rebuke them, and to get their attention, and yet they repeatedly overstep the boundaries which God has given to humanity according to the Bible. As we consider the matter, I don't know if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, either on the Canadian side or the American side, but on the American side, there is a river that across the river, there is ropes that are stretched, cables, and there are signs for boaters or those that may be floating down the river as they approach closer to the falls the sign and the warning say this, warning, turn around, the falls are near. And there's a few of these warning signs, but then you come to the very last one in big bold letters, and it reads this, beyond this sign is the point of no return. Warning after warning after warning had been issued. But unfortunately, there are some that ignore the warning and go past the point of no return. And so this morning, by the grace of God, I want to preach for just a few moments on that subject matter and that thought, the point of no return. 
God is patient. God is long-suffering. But his patience has boundaries, and sometimes people go past the boundaries that God sets to the point of no return. Once you go past the final warning you're, and you're headed for the falls at Niagara, the undercurrent of the toe, it's impossible to come out of it. And so as a result of that, you're sucked into the falls and the majority plunge to their death. Our choices and actions have eternal consequences. Everything we say, everything we do, every decision we make in life, be it small or large, they have divine consequences in our life. Pharaoh found out the hard way in the Old Testament. He stubbornly refused to allow the people of God to go and to worship in the wilderness. Despite the mighty warnings, despite the mighty miracles that God performed in the land of Egypt, and despite all the boundaries that God had set for the people of Israel and for Pharaoh, the Bible said that his heart grew harder and harder and harder every time God gave him a divine warning. He disregarded the command of God again and again. Eventually, he reached the point of no return, and the judgment of God fell upon him, but it also fell upon the land of Egypt. The point of no return is a dangerous place to find yourself this morning. It represents a spiritual state where one's heart becomes hardened, and it also represents a, a time of rejection, a time where they have individually rejected the prompting, the leading, the guiding, and the drawing and the wooing of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost of God. It is a place of rebellion this morning. It is a place of pride. It is a place where self-will takes precedent, a precedent over the will of God and over the submission to the authority and the will of God in His divine book. The point of no return is characterized by a disregard for God's word. It is characterized by a refusal to repent and get right with God. The point of no return is characterized by rejecting the grace of Almighty God. Man, from the very beginning of time, even the very first in the beginning of Genesis in chapter 6 and verse 5 and verse number 6, and I'll read it to you this morning. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air. And watch this, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And so man by nature has a rebellion against God. Have you ever noticed that when a child is born, you do not have to teach them to be self-centered? I remember when Victoria and Randy were just young. And I remember when we would go to certain churches on deputation ministry and Oftentimes, they would give them a little bag of candy or uh, certain things, maybe change and dollar bills as an offering. And I remember we'd get in the car going down the road, and Victoria, our daughter, she was a conniver at that time, and she'd look over to her brother Randy and say to him, Randy, now that chocolate that's in there, it's not any good. It don't taste good. 
But now these sour tarts, they taste really good. And uh, she would exchange him and talk him out of trading his chocolate, which she loved and he did too, uh, for those sour tarts that at the time neither one of them liked. Sometimes uh, they would get offerings and sometimes there'd be dollar bills and sometimes there would be change. And Victoria was a year ahead of Randy in school and so she could count and she knew a little bit about money where Randy did not. And sometimes going down the road she'd say, Now, Randy, those coins right there, those little round things, they're worth a whole lot more than those big green things that fold out that are rectangular. And uh, if you want, I'll sacrifice for you and I'll trade my little round coins for your big dollar bills. And she'd connive them into changing from the coins to the dollar bills. And then Randy would find out about it and he'd cry and ask her to get it back. And after several times, he finally learned his lesson. I said, no. I said, son, you've got to have some discernment. And I would talk with him about it. And uh, it just seemed like it took him a long time to figure it out. But we didn't have to sit her down and, and teach her how to connive and do that. She just got it natural from her mother. I'm glad I'm not sitting by her. I'd have broke ribs this morning. And I'd be shouting, but it wouldn't be from the Spirit of God. It'd be from hurting this morning. We didn't have to teach him how to lie. We didn't have to teach him how to cheat or connive. It came by nature. All men has a nature to rebel against Almighty God. I remember, and I'll get into my message, one time we were in a church and they gave us a love offering. And we had told our children, we said, look, every time we're in a church, if they give us a cash offering, uh, we'll give you $5 a piece. Now, back 37 years ago, uh, that was a lot of money. It's a lot of money today still, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so we were in a church one time and they gave us a check and we had to go to the bank to get out of town the next morning to have fuel money to get in the car. Uh, we didn't have all the gadgets we have today and the financing that uh, we were on deputation. And uh, so I went through the uh, bank window, cashed the check, and when I got the money and we started driving off, Victoria said, <clears throat> Daddy, I believe that's cash now, isn't it? She said, I'd like to have my $5. Well, I gave her 10 for that one, amen? <laughs> now, where are some areas that people overstep the boundaries that God has given and go past the point of no return? What type of people would do that? Well, there's only two that I'm going to share this morning for the sake of time, but go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 5 and verse number 1 through 5. Paul is writing his first letter to the church at Corinth, and he said, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife, and you're puffed up. And so here this sin is inside the church, and they're proud of it. And the Bible says, And have rather not, are not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away uh, from among you, for I uh, verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done such deed. 
in the name of Jesus, or in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice in verse number 5, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And here is one in the church at Corinth that is living an ungodly, illicit relationship. And the church is not dealing with it. They're rather puffed up about it. And so Paul writes to them and he says to them that we deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may I say to you this morning that there are deadlines and there are points of no return in which a child of God or a saved person can go past and there is impossible for them to repent at that point and to turn back to God Almighty. And so Saul says to the church or Paul says to the church that such a one would be turned over to Satan or the devil for the destruction of the flesh in order that the Spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I believe that today in the age in which we live, that unfortunately there are many Christians in America and around the world. Those that have been saved, blood-bought, they know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ has come into their heart, but they are constantly pushing the boundaries of God's deadline. The warnings have been set in their life. Warning after warning after warning after warning. And finally God flashes a neon sign in the heart and the soul of that individual and says beyond this point is a point of no return. They continually try him. They continually push beyond the boundaries. And they see just how far they can push God and get away with their sin and transgression. The Bible says and declares in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For if he soweth to the spirit of the spirit, he shall reap life everlasting. But if he soweth to the flesh of the flesh, he shall reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit again shall see, reap uh, uh, everlasting life. And may I just say this morning that God has a deadline and a point of no return for every child of God that persists in sin. Hosea says in Hosea chapter number 8 and verse number 7, For they have sown the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. And I believe we live in a day where it's not only the world that is uh, sowing the wild oats, but it is the sometimes Christians that profess the name of Christ. And they're pushing the boundaries and the deadlines. Let's look at one or two briefly this morning in the Bible that were uh, a people of God that crossed over the point of no return. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and 16, we find in the passage of Scripture that Saul crossed over God's deadline, the point of no return. In 1 Samuel 15 and 11, the Bible said, It repenteth me that I have set Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me, and have not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Here is the king, the first king of Israel, whom God has set on the throne. 
And yet the Bible said that God said he will not follow me. He will not obey my commandments. And the Bible says that God said that I've removed him and rejected him from being king. In 1 Samuel 15, 25 and 26, Saul is in remorse because of uh, what is happening to Samuel. And God speaks to him and says, Now therefore I pray thee, pardon uh, my sin. Or pardon me, uh, this is Saul speaking, pardon my sin and turn again with me, speaking to Samuel, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee. Not only is there a time in God's providence where only God knows where the deadline is and the point of no return is. There was a time that even Saul, the man of God, says, though I am grieved by your sin, though I am grieved by your rejection, though I am grieved that God has denounced you the throne, though I am grieved for you, Samuel, or Saul, though I am grieved for you, Saul, I will not return with thee. There was a time when even in the Christian's life, they began to lose their closest friends and commandants. When we're in rebellion against God and time and time and time again, God gives us a reproof and we a rebuke and we continue or persist in our sins, it'll only be a matter of time till even those that are nearest and dearest to us begin to turn away as well. In 1 Samuel chapter number 25, down through chapter number 16, and Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul and watched what God said unto Samuel concerning Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long without mourn for Saul, saying, I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? And so there was a time when God said, I have rejected you because of your persistence in sin. The Bible speaks of willful sinning. In the book of James 4 and 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not unto him it is sin. The Bible says that when lust is conceived it bringeth forth sin, and when sin is conceived it bringeth forth death. And Christians today are constantly, in many cases, pushing the envelope of God's divine deadlines that he has set. I'm reminded of the day and age of promiscuity that we live in, in America. And I'll be honest with you, what has taken place with Budweiser, with the Bud Light and the Target and all of these other entities, as far as I'm concerned, it's not even a fraction of what it should be. I'm reminded of the man who is a Christian and attended church frequently and faithfully with his wife and children, but he constantly had in his mind a, a, a lustful desire and a longing for illicit relationship. And he ended up in a one-night fling. Some time later, his wife conceived and bare a child. And the child was born blind. And the doctor called the parents in and said, the disease that has called your daughter to be blind is caused from a, a, a sexually transmitted disease. And it, one of you had to trans, uh, transfer this disease over. One of you had to be unfaithful. 
to which they both vehemently denied it, but the husband, knowing that it was unfaithful, and time and time again God had dealt with him concerning his sin and his transgression, and time and time again he reproved and rebuked and rejected the will of God and the Holy Spirit of God in his life and went on about his sin until the young daughter became a little bit older in age and was sitting in his lap one day and took her hands and was rubbing it down her daddy's face and said, Daddy, I wish I had eyes that I could see. I wish I could have eyes that I could see the color of your eyes. And as she rubbed her hand through his hair, she said, Daddy, I wish I could see the color of your hair. And Daddy, I wish I could see the muscles on your arm. Daddy, I just wish I could see you. I'd give anything, Daddy. I'd love to see you, Daddy. Daddy... Why was I born blind? To which he couldn't take it anymore. He set his daughter down, went out and committed suicide. Sin will always catch up with you. I reminded of what the old preacher I heard say many years ago. He said the grinding wheels of God's judgment grind slow but sure. In Genesis 4, in verse number 7, if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. But then in Numbers chapter number 32 and verse number 23, but if thou wilt not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Many today, I believe, are crossing God's deadlines. I don't believe it's by just happenstance that we live in a day where many Christians are cold, Toward God. I'm reminded of what the little girl said when she came home from the Sunday school class and the teacher taught that verse, many are called but few are chosen. And a mother asked her, said, what did you learn in Sunday school? She said, well, I learned uh, most are called, but or many are called, but most are frozen. And that's the day and age we live in. I'm reminded of a man that I used to run with when a young teenager and I got saved at a mid-teenage years. And I was over at Kevin's house, and I was witnessing to him. And his mother was a professed Christian. And she'd stick her hand around the door, or her head around the door, and say, that's right, Kevin. You better do what he says. He's telling you right. And after about the fifth or sixth times, and I said something to him about getting right with God, and she stuck her head around the door and said, that's right, Kevin. He's telling you the truth. You better do what he says. And he said, excuse me for just a minute, Terry. Walked around the corner, went into the kitchen, turned his mother around, and I don't advocate this. He stuck his finger in her face and said, listen to me, woman. If it's so good, why don't you try a little bit of it? And she was a church member. I was in a meeting in Canada some years ago. I've been in several different meetings in the country, and I was in one particular meeting. And I'll not give too much details. don't want to bring any disgrace on the church or the pastor or the family. But it was only a few months later I got the news. He was in a conference. And the relationship, the illicit relationship he was having, the lady was under conviction and was getting ready to go public with it and texted him while he was preaching at a conference and said, I'm going public, I can't handle it anymore. 
he didn't show up for his services that evening. And when they sent a deacon to, and some from the church to find him, he had committed suicide and left a note to his family in the church. The point of no return. Samson went beyond the point of no return. And then secondly today and quickly, sinners can go beyond the point of no return. Not only can Christians go past that point, it's not, I'm not advocating that they die and go to hell. Thank God we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God for everlasting eternal life in Christ. But there is a point of no return in the life and the heart and the soul and mind of a Christian where God will bring sudden destruction but then the sinner can do so as well. In Psalm 50 and verse number 22, the Bible says, Now consider this, you that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. And so God says there is a time in a sinner's life that they will go beyond the point where God says, I'll literally rip you to shreds, I'll tear you in pieces and there will be none to deliver thee. I thought about Hebrews 9 and verse number 27. And it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Or Revelation 20 and verse number 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The rejection of salvation. Those who reject him and continue to reject the grace of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, the drawing to salvation, to the cross of Calvary, there is a deadline in the sinner's life and heart. In other words, if you're here today and you have said unto preaching before, you have said unto the testimonies before of God's people, you have read gospel tracts that you've received from God's people over the years, and you've been under conviction the Holy Spirit of God has drawn you to salvation, and you repeatedly deny Christ, repeatedly turn him away, and say, I'll do it again at another day, another time, another season. There comes a time when God said, that's enough. He said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. There'll come a time when the Holy Spirit of God will knock on the heart for the last time of both saint and sinner. I'm reminded of a man, when I was a young man preaching the first revival I ever attempted to preach with an older preacher. And each night during the invitation, he literally would grab the, grab the pews and his, whites, his hands and knuckles would turn white. And he would literally shake. He left night after night after night not responding to the gospel. On the last night, the Holy Spirit of God was convicting him. He left during the invitation, went out and got in his car, cranked it up, spun gravel all over the uh, church, and you would have thought he was going to break a window with the rocks hitting it. You could hear him shifting, going through the gears down the road. We stayed, we fellowshiped, and after a while, uh, Peggy and I decided it was time to leave, and we were headed home. And just a little ways, probably well under a mile, if I remember right, maybe a half a mile or a little over a quarter mile, there were ambulances and police cars and emergency vehicles everywhere. The road was blocked, and as we went around the little curve, we saw what had happened. 
This man had left under such conviction. He was shifting through his gears as fast as he could. He tried to go around a curve and failed to make it and hit a, a big oak tree head on. And the police estimate is doing over 100 to 110 miles an hour. He died instantly. And somebody said, well, preacher, do you think he went to heaven? I don't believe he did at all. He left the church under conviction. He spun gravel all over the church. He shifted through his gears at 100, 110 miles an hour. And in an instant, I believe he crossed God's deadline. And God said, that's enough. And God brought judgment. You say, God wouldn't do that. You better read your Bible. Sin is crossing the point of no return. There's a time we know not when, a point we know not where, that marks the destiny of men to glory or despair. There's a line by an unseen hand which every saint or sinner is in danger to cross. The Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah 7 and verse number 16, therefore pray not for this people. Can you imagine God saying don't pray for them anymore? Neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me for I will not hear thee. Why did God tell them not to pray for them? In Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse number 12, he said, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not ashamed at all. For they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall. In the time of their visitation they shall cast down, be cast down, saith the Lord. And so there was a time when God said to Jeremiah, Don't you pray for them anymore. You know why? They had crossed the point of no return. In the scriptures in Jeremiah 20, he said, The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. They had crossed, in other words, God's divine deadline. I beg you, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I beg with you, I plead with you to get up out of your pew and come down to the front and bow on your knees and bow your heart to God and trust the shed blood of Christ on Calvary and call out on God. I promise you today, he'll save you. For it is a whosoever will salve. Remember an inmate at the Montana State Penitentiary many years ago had come forward and Dr. Garris, our late president, was alive at the time and directing the ministry. The prisoner came forward for salvation and Dr. Garris had the distinct privilege of leading him to the Lord. And when the man bowed his head to pray, he said, Lord, this is inmate 12345. He gave him his ID number as if God didn't know his name. He said, now, Lord, I'm at the Montana State Prison, and I've committed this and this and this, and if you can forgive somebody like me, I ask you to come in my heart and be my Savior. May I just say to you this morning, God knows your name. Don't delay. Don't go past the point of no return. Don't reject God. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time of the Lord. Turn away from your sin. Confess it before God. Could I say this to you today? If you die and go to hell, you are a thief. You're a thief of your own soul because you have robbed from your own soul eternal life in heaven. 
For many years, I felt guilty over my brother because I got him involved into worldliness and things that I was not proud of. I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, and I couldn't understand why he followed me in the path of sin, but he didn't follow me by the lines in the path of righteousness. He did get saved some years later when he ended up in a jail. Then he got hit by a car, threw him 35 feet through the air, and it messed him up physically and to a great degree even mentally. And his life was never the same. I remember the last time I saw my sister before she passed away. Beautiful, young, blonde-haired girl, and her eyes were sunk in her sockets. She had needle tracks up her arms. She was nothing but the sand but skin and bones. And I begged her. I said, Teresa, please, I beg you to get right with God. I beg you to get in church. I shared the gospel with her, and she assured me she had been saved. And I said, if that's the case, God's not going to tolerate your sin. There's a time when you'll go beyond the point of no return. There'll come a time when God will draw a line in the sand. I beg you, don't go there. She said, when I moved back to Tennessee, she said, moved to the Oak Ridge area, said, I promise you, brother, I'll get in church. And she did for about two months and got out and went right back into her sin. Less than a year later, only months later, she drowned, saving a little seven-year-old girl that was drowning in the Tennessee River. May I just say to you today, as you come and get ready for the invitation, if you're here as a sinner and God's been dealing with you about salvation, don't delay. Don't put it off. Come now. Come now. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be scarlet. Thank God he can wash them white as snow. And God today desires and delights in forgiven sin and the transgression of even his own people. This morning, I don't know what your need is, but I have this on my heart. I wonder if there's someone sitting here. You're saved. And the Holy Ghost of God time and time and time and time again has been long-suffering. And God in his grace and his mercy is pleading one more time this morning to come and get it right with God. I was recently counseling with a pastor's son, and I'll leave it at that. And his heart had become so cold, so callous, so matter of fact. Don't let your heart go there. He even said, I believe God's judging me. And I believe I'm approaching that place. God says, if you go past this point, it's the last opportunity I'll give. This morning, let's bow in prayer. And for whatever reason you need to come, why don't we come to the altar? Fathers, we bow before you at this moment.